I am going to move quick this morning because it's late, uh, which is okay today. Is I, I shared last week a uh, new series today in the book of James. Uh, been a while since we have gone straight through a book, so I thought that would be kind of fun. I will say this. Uh, I, like many other uh, pastors and teachers, have never taught through the book of James. Uh, I have done any number of messages uh, of passages from the book of James, but never the whole book. And the the reason is it's kind of a random book, and that's the reason a lot of people don't teach it. I made a comment last week, and I really should clarify. I I said a book of the James, a book of the Bible, or it's barely a book of the Bible. And I didn't mean it wasn't authoritative or it wasn't scripture or wasn't in the Bible. What I really meant is it's not like a book. Uh, Most of the other books, especially the letters of the New Testament, when you read Paul, Paul has these developed theological arguments that run on for chapter and chapter. And sometimes you have to go back and, okay, this is what he said because he was leading to this, because he was leading to this. James, not so much. James is more machine gun approach. It's bam, 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 bam. Just these little bullet points all through the letter. So my comment was simply that uh, it's, it's a diverse book, not that it's not a good book. I love it, actually. I think it's very practical, and I'll tell you why uh, I like it so much and why I decided to teach it today. One of, one of the challenges uh, in teaching the Bible is always application, making application, taking biblical truth and communicating to people, how does that work in our lives? What does this mean to me today? How do I live that out? Uh, And again, James, that's not a problem because James, the entire book is application. James, he does have a theological argument. James' theological argument is this, get up off your butt and get to work. That's his argument, uh, basically. Get up, go do it now. Uh, I don't want any excuses. Uh, There has been, if you read commentaries and, you know, uh, their historical uh, criticism of James is that it lacks theology. He doesn't, they say he doesn't have a theology, but I say that is his theology. Uh, I would say this. I, I think that most of us, and, and us, I'm, I'm speaking to Christians in general, not just us guys here, uh, I think we need a good dose of James sometimes. Um, maybe not as much in your circles as mine, Pastors have a tendency to get together and theologize. You know, they talk about truth as though it's some sort of abstract thing. And, and we, we spend a lot of time arguing over theology and discussing theology and much less time actually doing theology. That's one of the things I love about the movement that we're a part of. Uh, we were talking about this uh, last night at a meeting. Some people didn't know where this saying came from. Uh, one of John Wimber's catchphrases, and he had many, was, the meat is in the street. And that phrase came from uh, somebody, you know, there's the, in, in uh, one of the, I can't remember where it talks about, the milk of the word and the meat of the word. So kind of the, the traditional sort of evangelical thing was we want to get into the meat of the word, not just the milk of the word. So somebody came up to John after a service one night and said, hey, you know, pastor, when are we going to get into the meat of the word? And John's response was, well, the meat's in the street. The meat is in the street. When you, the depth of the word, the, the, the really getting down deep into the word of God is when you go and do it. And that's uh, really, I, I love that about the book of James, um, is that it's all about uh, walking it out, living it. John would say another thing he said often was, you know, your faith has shoe leather. 
And what he meant by that is it's lived out, it's walked out, you wear it out. You, your, your faith is active, it's, it's something that takes place. It's not just a belief in our minds and our hearts in theory, it's a reality. Um, I want to say this, just qualifier. I think we get the reality that being precedes doing. We talk, we just did a whole series on spiritual formation, our identity in Christ. I think we understand that that's the truth. That's what we need. We need God's spirit. We need to be in touch with him. Uh, I I just have been so impressed over and over and over and over again recently. Uh, And you know, it's I love when this happens, when it just seems like God's saying something and you hear it from different sorts of people in different places, you hear the same thing. And the thing I've been hearing is just our identity in Christ. You know, we, we're children of God. We're beloved of Him. Nothing else matters. So with that as a background, okay, so we get that first. That's the important thing. I'm not going to uh, preach a gospel of works the next few weeks, although it will sound like it a little bit at times. The reality is we understand our relationship with Jesus comes first, but, but if we have a relationship with Jesus, if it's real, If I really do have faith, if I really do love God, then I am going to live it out. I'm going to walk that out. There's going to be some evidence of that in my life. So this morning, I'm going to try to, just quickly, I want to do two things. Brief introduction to the book of James, and then a little bit of an introduction to the author, James the person. I always think it's helpful. You know, you read something, you read a quote by someone. I do this. I don't know if you do. I read a quote. I go, that's a cool quote, but I don't know much about that person. I'll go look that person up because I find when you know somebody's story, you know where they're coming from, it has a lot more impact, a lot more meaning. So I want to just talk a little bit about James today because I think when you... For me, understanding who he is helps me understand why he says what he does and why he says it at times uh, the way he does. Um, I was talking to a couple of the guys this week. We were trying to come up with a uh, a subtitle or subtext for the series. Uh, A couple things were suggested, but uh, I'm the boss, so I won. And I came up with faith as a verb. So that will be what we'll be talking about during the course of the book of James. Faith is a verb. Uh, Faith is not just something you believe. It it really, really is, according to James at least, something that you do. It is very, very much an action word. Um, There are some underlying themes in the book of James. Even though it's a little disjointed, uh, there there are a couple of things that, that he seems to really... Uh, have consistently run through the course of his book. I think James' perspective is this. As I, as I read uh, the book, and, and I would encourage you, I, I always do this, uh, if you have time this week, half hour, sit down, read the entire book through. And it's, you know, beginning to end, it's five chapters, it's not that long. Uh, at least once, read it through so you get a little context and then we'll break it down bit by bit. But as I read it, this is what I come away with. James's perspective on life is, hey, life can be hard at times. Uh, there's some challenges. But you know what? Stick with it because God really is good all the time and he will prevail. And if you walk it out with him, it'll work out okay. But you've got to stick with it because sometimes ugh, it's going to get a little rough. Um, another thing I, I love about this, I think James is very, very committed to the local church. Uh, 12, five chapters, it's, it's a very short book, 12 times in there, he addresses his readers as brothers or brothers and sisters. He's, he's very concerned about the body of Christ. He wants his audience to, audience to know, hey, we're connected, we're in this together. I appreciate that a lot. 
Um, most of you, if you've been around here any length of time, uh, I value the local church. I value the local church a lot. I really believe that the local church is the vehicle that God left in the world to do His work today. Um, I know there are a lot of expressions of faith, expressions of Christianity, but I really believe the local church is the vehicle that God left to do His work in the world uh, historically. Uh, Jesus, look, to be honest, I mean, kind of indirect, Jesus didn't write a book. Uh, he, didn't, he wasn't just a great teacher. Jesus founded a church. That's what he did. I build this church. And I really believe the church is God's chosen vehicle. And so I love that James is committed to the church. He's concerned about how the church functions. He cares about the church. James cares about what we say to one another. He cares about how we spend our money. He, he cares about how we care about this, this prayer this morning. You know, the Spirit of God, I just put in our hearts. And I don't know if you were praying this week or what, how that happened, but, uh, you know, James said, I care about if you care about those in need. If you don't care about people in need, if you don't care, care about those that are weak, then you know what? Your faith doesn't really mean a whole lot to me. And I, I believe that. I believe that the church today, people, you know, I'm going to get on a thing. Uh, I, you know, people, the government, the government, the government. You know what? I'll be honest, it's not the government's job. I just think it's our job. I think if, if there's people that are in need, it's our job. The church needs to get up and do something about it. It's not the government's job to feed everybody. It's our job to feed them. Okay, sorry. <laughs> okay, thank you. All right. Ah, I had coffee. I also think... <clears throat> I'm going to make a prediction. <laughs> I, I, I think uh, this book is as of the moment as anything. <clears throat> I mean, of the moment, I mean right now, what God's doing in the world today. I think there's going to be a resurgence. I think you're going to hear more and more people teaching from the book of James coming up. Um, I think James is very, very aware of what it means to be a follower of Jesus in a world that doesn't follow Jesus. Okay, uh, I think he's very aware of what it means. He's conscious of a world that is marked predominantly by greed and selfishness. He is very aware of what it means to be walking his life with Christ out in a world where everybody's trying to get to the head of the line, uh, where people will use other people for personal gain. He's very aware of those kinds of issues. And if you ask me, that's the world we live in today. And if we want to make a difference in the world we live in today, we have to do the opposite. We have to say, you know what, I'll go to the end of the line so you can go first. I care more about your well-being than my own. Uh, if, if I'm going to be a follower of Christ, I, I, I have to say, you know what, I will not allow uh, greed and self-centeredness to creep into my life and overtake who I am. I'm going to lay those things down in the name of Jesus so that other people can succeed. James is, a, uh, is an open letter. It's a little different than some of the other New Testament letters. He starts this way, uh, Servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Um, uh, if, if James were writing today, it, it, this would be a blog, Okay. So email, right, if I, write, if, I, if I want to talk to Brogan, I write Brogan an email or I send him a text. If I want to do a group text, 
If I want to talk to, you know, all of the men in our church, I can send an email to all of the men in our church. And that's the way most of the New Testament letters are. You know, this is Paul writing to Timothy. Uh, You know, this is uh, Paul writing to the church at Rome. James is saying, uh, this is for everybody. This is a blog post. I'm putting this out because I think he wants anybody and everybody, as many people as possible, to hear what he has to say. So this is an open letter. Um, James is, if, and, and this is the other thing I appreciate, I, you know, again, we all do this, you've you got to read between the lines, you sort of read into, but if, as I'm reading this, I come away with the reality that James is a passionate guy. I mean, I think this is a passionate guy. He really does care. He, he, he means it. When he writes stuff, I think, you know, he means what he's saying. I think he cares about uh, the church. I think he cares about people. And, and more than anything, or as much as anything, and, and I think this comes through both uh, explicitly and implicitly, but I think he cares that the name of Jesus is honored and glorified in the lives of God's people. That I, I think in James, James, I think sometimes James would be appalled today that Christians sometimes behave the way that they do and people go, really, that's what it means to be a Christian? I think James, no, no, I want the name of Jesus to be honored and lifted up by the way that his people live. Uh, He says this in the beginning of chapter 2, brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. And I just think he's, he's so focused. So a little bit of background. I want to talk about James for just a minute. I'll try to go really fast. First thing that comes to, to me when I read this, and I know that we, we all read different, but when I read James, I go, this guy's a preacher. That's what I say. I go, this guy, it reads like a, it reads like a sermon rather than a letter. More, you know, I, I find myself saying amen while I'm reading it, which is really embarrassing if you're in Starbucks. Um, amen. And people look at it, what nobody said anything. What, amen what? Uh, you know, just stare going away. Uh, I, James was, he was a pastor, pastor of the church of Jerusalem, which was really a, a very large church. Church of Jerusalem was, uh, in effect, ground zero. It was the uh, oversight church. It was the hub of church planting in the first century church. Uh, first generation of Christians, churches were uh, people, missionaries were sent out and planted other churches out of the Church of Jerusalem. And it was James' responsibility uh, and, and, and privilege, really, to pastor at that church. Um, there are uh, at least three different people, maybe more, but at least three in the New Testament named James. I want to clarify uh, who's the author of this book. There's debate about it, but let's just forget about all that. Uh, basically, generally agreed upon that the author of the book of James is... Uh, James, the, the half-brother, if you will, of Jesus, okay? Um, we are introduced, um, oh, I went too far, Matthew 13. Isn't this the carpenter's son? They're talking about Jesus. Isn't his mother's name Mary? Aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And I know there are all different theories on Mary being eternally a virgin and all uh, weird stuff. I don't know. I just think, no, uh, they had kids, and James was the oldest of the younger brothers of Jesus. Uh, this is, this is differentiate from the disciple James that we read about, the, the brother of John, sons of Zebedee. Uh, that James was beheaded by Herod at a time that would have been 
too early for him to have been the author of this book. But I think sometimes it's confusing when you're reading, you think this James is that James. But it's not. In fact, one of the reasons I think that James, the author of the book, is so passionate is that he had a radical conversion. He had a radical conversion. He's the brother of Jesus, okay? He's raised, uh, you know, in the same household as Jesus. Uh, I just picture, you know, teenagers are a unique breed of people. Um, I picture the friends coming over, you know, and James' buddy's going, hey, dude, your brother's weird, you know? And James going, yeah, you have no idea uh, how weird he is. Uh, James did not always believe, okay? It's, that's weird to me to think about, you know, you, you, you're raised and you must have had some idea, you know, what's going on here, uh, but, but he did not always believe. Uh, there are a couple of passages that I find really interesting. One point in Mark 3, Jesus entered a house. Again, a crowd gra- gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. They were drawing so many people they couldn't sit down. Uh, and when his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, what? He's out of his mind. His own brothers, his family, he's crazy. We've got to get him out of here. We've got to, for his own good, we've got to save him. And then in John, uh, Jesus' brothers, again, this would be James and his younger brothers, said to him, leave Galilee, go to Judea, so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one wants to become a public figure, acts in secret. Since you're doing these things, show yourself to the world. They're saying that tongue-in-cheek. They're saying that a little bit mockingly, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. So even during his ministry, as Jesus is going about doing what he's doing, he's, he's, he's praying for people, he's feeding people, he's doing miracles, he's healing people. His brothers don't even believe who he is. So James would have been among them. He, he, he during Jesus' life and ministry on earth, uh, was not necessarily a believer. Uh, so we know after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, he then made appearances. He showed up and appeared to a number of different people a number of different times, and James would have been among them. Paul tells us in Corinthians this, What I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me. So, I don't know. I wish I knew. This is one of those things. I don't know what happened when Jesus appeared to James. You know, I love the story of Thomas because we see it. Thomas is doubting. Lord, I, I won't believe until I touch you. And Jesus says, okay, touch me. You know, I would love to know because whatever happened, James went from somebody who thought Jesus was a little bit, uh, you know, uh, loose in the head uh, and not believing in him to being this passionate preacher that we read in the book of James. So whatever happened in that interaction must have been profound. I wish we knew what happened. Somehow... This appearance of the resurrected Christ, uh, this, this visit 
from Jesus to James. I don't know what happened, what transpired, what he said, but somehow that transformed his life radically. James became this passionate preacher. Uh, this, really, he became a pillar of the church. We, we say, uh, he, the New Testament, by the way, calls other people other than the original 12 and Paul apostles. Other people were known as apostles. Paul says, I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. And then in the next chapter, he says this, James, this is the same James, Cephas, Peter, and John, uh, and they really became the, the founding fathers of the church, those three men. Those esteemed as pillars gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They welcomed them. James was among those that originally accepted and received Paul and Barnabas and welcomed them into the fold. Uh, They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised, they to the Jews. So James becomes this leader in the early church. So he has this radical transformation, and then he becomes this leader. He, he really becomes an overseer of the churches. In Acts chapter 15, he presides over what we call the Jerusalem Council, which is a very, very important meeting. Uh, the, the question was, okay, early Christians were converted Jews, and they brought some of their Jewish tradition with them, but now they're reaching out to the Gentiles, so they don't have the Jewish tradition, so... Do they have to take on our tradition? How does that work? And, and I think that's a, it's a legitimate question. You know, we, we think about that today, uh, different cultural settings. When we, in missions work, you go into c- countries and you go, okay, they have different culture, different traditions to us. And, and I think some historic missionaries would say, well, they, these people need to abandon all their, they have to let go of all their cultural, you know, practices to become Christians. Today, missionaries are saying, no, let's look at that more realistically. And let's say, is Christianity you know, willing to, able to work in this culture. So that's exactly what they were doing here. Um, and they, I'm not going to read it, but they came to the conclusion as to how that would work. And James was the leader of that meeting. That, that's my whole point there, is that James presided over that, uh, that meeting. He was a very, very influential and important leader in the, in the early church of Christ. And then, final verse here, uh, we arrived at Jerusalem. The brothers and sisters received us warmly. The next day, Paul and the rest of us went to see James and all the elders present. Paul greeted them and reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. So the point there is simply, again, that James is leading the church at this point. James is the guy. Uh, so he really is the, the bishop, if you will, pope, I don't know, whatever you want to call him. He's the first sort of overseeing person of the church. Um, his tenure did not last very long. Uh, in about 61, 62 A.D., which would have been just a few short years after the writing of the, the books that we have been referencing this morning, uh, James was uh, stoned to death under King Herod. And uh, history, it's not in the Bible. We don't have that from the Bible there are historical records of those times that are very accurate. The most well-known of those is a gentleman named Josephus. Flavius Josephus is a Jewish Roman historian. Uh, his stuff, it's a little hard to read because of the translation, but it's pretty interesting. talks a lot about the development of the early church and who Jesus was. I just wanted to read a couple passages. Uh, we'll close with this from Josephus about James. 
He says first, um, Festus was now dead, and Albinius was but upon the road. So he assembled the Sanhedrin of judges and brought before them the brother of Jesus, who was called Christ, whose name was James, and some of his companions. And when he had formed an accusation against them as breakers of the law, he delivered them to be stoned. And then uh, later he says this, Now James was so wonderful a person and was so celebrated by all the others for righteousness that the judicious Jews thought this to have been the occasion of that siege of Jerusalem, which came on presently after the martyrdom, that it befell them for no other reason than that impious fact that they were guilty against him. These miseries befell the Jews by way of revenge for James the Just. That was his nickname, James the Just. I love that. I'd love to have that on my grave, you know, that you were the just. You cared about justice. You cared about those that were weak and poor. These came uh, as revenge for James the just, who was the brother of Jesus that was called Christ on this account, that they had slain him who was a most righteous person. And so whatever you might think about James being kind of uh, blunt and to the point, whatever you think about him being a little over the top in his delivery, I would say this, that James had a radical, radical conversion, that he came into contact with the risen Jesus, and it transformed every ounce of his being, every bit of his life, and he went from being uh, really a non-believer, a disbeliever, to becoming this passionate person who made it his life's cause to care for the poor, to care for the weak, to care for those in need, uh, and he was so much so that he was called James the Just. So my prayer this morning, uh, and I hope, you know, my prayer for you and for us as we go through this series, is that, that we have that same revelation of Jesus, that it transforms our lives, that whatever it is in our lives that's keeping us from having that type of passion, that God will begin to release that in us. So let's stand and we'll pray. Mm-hmm.